0: Last week I showed uh, Vanessa's uh, message that she did, and uh, that's because I was in Denver with my family, um, just getting some time away, Uh, had a really relaxing, enjoyable time with them, and uh, then had a really busy, crazy, hectic week. Um, So how are y'all doing? Let me, uh, maybe just, uh, I'm going to try and watch the comments, they're coming up today pretty good. Um, So... I just want to check in. How's everybody feeling and doing about life, about things? Um, give me some comments. Uh, so I thought kind of maybe what I would do this morning, like I said at the beginning, uh, before a lot of you logged on, I was kind of lacking in some inspiration, a number of different ways that I could go as far as teaching, um, and uh, but I really didn't have a topic for this morning. So I thought maybe I would field some questions, see if anybody had any questions, uh, <clears throat> um, could be, you know, about anything for me or um, if you had, uh, I was also kind of interested and in, I don't know if you <coughs> would be comfortable sharing on the feed, but I was curious uh, what kind of things people are struggling with, what they're looking for answers for. Um, like I said, it's been a really crazy busy week for me. I work full-time and then I'm also doing some things on the side to make ends meet during covid and also contemplating, been contemplating my future, what I want to do, and how I'm going to manage that, manage my energy, manage being a, a dad, and uh, keeping my, fa- my family a priority, but also uh, uh, everything else that I'm doing. So trying to get a beat on that, been doing that for a while, and uh, I think I'm getting some answers there. So uh, give me some uh give me some feedback. Give me some questions. Give me something. If you're putting them up, I don't see them. Um, I see a few good mornings and stuff like that. So if somebody wants to jump out there and ask a question or something you want to hear about, um, that would be awesome. <laughs> so so if you're just jumping on um, what I said earlier, at the risk of being too repetitive for the replay viewers, was that I didn't I didn't really have a topic for this morning. Um, like I said, a busy week, been resting, been uh, uh, it's just it's been a good week though. It's been uh, really trying to dial in for the future, where I want to be, what I want to do, uh, and where my gifting and knowledge and information and whatever would best be of service to people. So I'm going to wait just a few more minutes. Jeremy says I came in here late. Could you repeat? I'm just looking for questions, Jeremy. Like questions, things that people are struggling with. want to make today a little bit more interactive rather than me just um, talking and teaching. Um, so just kind of waiting to see if anybody on the feed is going to respond to that or not. And if not, then... Uh, I'll probably just talk for a little bit. Maybe we'll do a meditation or something and uh, call it good. Okay, I'll start. Been deconstructing, being authentic, family not awake, they are religious. Uh, I hope they don't see... I hope they don't see this. Yeah, that's always tough, um, deconstructing with family. What do you think future of religion will be over the next 50 years? All the real estate. Overcoming trauma is a good subject. Um, can you put a list of recommended reading? I can maybe add something. Um, but Michelle, if you could add to that, like in what area? Because I'm—I read a ton of stuff on a ton of different topics, so um, I don't want to give you something that's irrelevant. So if you could give me an idea of what you're interested in reading about, then I can try and put a list together for people. So uh, part of the part of the battle with being. Uh, coming into your authenticity, and it is a battle. And one of the things I thought about talking about today was uh, the Lucifer uh, archetype. And um, <clears throat> what I mean by the Lucifer archetype, we, we have a tendency to believe, or we've been taught, the Christian church has taught, that Lucifer was this being who was a worship leader in the sky, worshiping God, leading worship, and um, <clears throat> then tried to rebel, tried to throw off God's... Uh, authority and establish his own sovereignty and god was offended by that of course there was you know big war in heaven satan fell like lightning all kinds of stuff and and really that's that's a mythology that we've created because the scripture doesn't deal with that at all that came around about the 2nd century within the christian church uh and what's interesting is that Jesus calls himself, the last thing Jesus says about himself is that he is the, the bright and morning star, or the word there actually is Lucifer. He, he actually says that he is Lucifer, the bright and morning star. It's the same word, it's just translated differently in English. If you go back to the Greek translation of Isaiah 14 where they talk about Lucifer, if you go back to uh, the Latin translation, in fact in the Latin it uses the word Lucifer there, and then more interestingly, in 2 Peter, we are told that Lucifer, that the morning star is how it's translated, but in the Latin again, it's Lucifer, that Lucifer is going to rise in our heart. So Lucifer is an archetype or an energy that exists. And uh, hold on one second. Hey, Aaron, do you think you have the ability to heal others, or do you believe that you can just hold space for people to heal? Um, I'm going to come back to that one. But as far as like being authentic... So I think Lucifer presents an archetype for us where uh, it's, it's an astrological principle. The word Lucifer, or the original word in Hebrew, the original word in Greek, referred to Venus, uh, the star Venus, which was the morning star. And um, it's about letting your light shine. It's about letting your authentic, it's about finding your true will. It's about finding your true authenticity, your true self, your true soul code, and manifesting that in the earth. And that's why we came here. That's why we signed up for this. That's why we're in this place. And it is a struggle. And part of the struggle is throwing off um, in many cases religious slavery, religious chains. Uh, really this sort of giving away of our light, giving away of our power, saying, I don't have any I don't have any power. I don't have any uh uh light that is in and of myself. And so I'm depending upon something outside myself. So in our case as Christians, we're depending upon Jesus to come and save us. We're depending on God to come and answer our prayers. We're depending on some spiritual entities outside of us to fix our life. And that's really not what it's about. What it's about is letting your light shine. And what happens is is that we get locked into these states of consciousness. And that's really all it is. We get locked into very limited states of consciousness where we we are trained very young to perform for other people's love to perform for other people's approval and family more than any other thing is the incubator for that most of us did not grow up in families where we were encouraged to just be our authentic selves we we had that edited we learned rules and values and all of that has its place uh, certainly um, so the the spiritual struggle with deconstruction, what we're deconstructing from is not just beliefs. We're deconstructing from a state of consciousness or a self that we squeezed ourselves into in order to get our needs met from the people around us. So in essence, as we were being trained to perform to get our needs met, we were also creating a feedback loop where we were training and teaching other people how to treat us and how to relate to us. So when you start going through this process, you could almost call it a Luciferian process, where your light is beginning to shine from within. You're beginning to discover who you are. You're beginning to discover why you're here. You're beginning to discover the kind of person that you want to be. And what that means then is that you're shedding the old skin. You're shedding the uh, uh, the exterior states of consciousness and performance and agreements and beliefs that, that you were using and were taught to use in order to get the, your needs met from the people that are around you. So when you do that, you throw your relationships and your relational system into crisis. Now, if we were taught that life is about growth and that growth requires change, and if we were taught that relationships were dynamic, meaning that there is no such thing as a relationship, as a noun per se. It's, it's not a thing. A relationship is a process of interactions. And when we begin to change our state of consciousness, when we begin to change our beliefs... We literally change our self-expression. When we change our self-expression, we change the dynamics in the relationship. And when the dynamics in the relationship change, the other people have to adapt to that. And so that throws them into some disorientation. That throws them into some crisis. Now, layer on top of that the belief that if you don't believe like me, then your soul might be in danger. Then really, when people offer us resistance... When we're changing those beliefs, what they're really doing is they're frequently coming from a place of love. Now, I think it's misguided. I think it's guided by a false belief, the belief in eternal conscious torment, or that you can be wrong, or that you're going to be judged, or that you're going to be cursed, or whatever kind of religious stuff gets layered on top of that, right? So when people push back, it really is a sign that they care about us and that they love us. So um, it's, it's a balancing act. On the one hand, I would say... The worst betrayal that you can do, the worst dis, disloyalty and dishonoring that you can do is disloyalty and dishonoring and betrayal to yourself. So if it is your authentic self that's, that's blossoming, that's coming out, and it's creating chaos for you in your relationships, then you have to make a choice. You can either close up, which I think is betrayal to self, or you can continue to open up and be patient and try to be understanding and try to be loving in the process, with people as they adjust to the new you, to the you that you are becoming and that you are manifesting. And so sometimes it can be helpful to uh, have a conversation with those people and say, look, I, I get uh, that you don't understand where I'm at. I get that you are afraid for me maybe uh, because of where I'm at. I get that this is changing the dynamics of our relationship. But I want to... Be in relationship with you and I want you to, uh, get to know the real me and the authentic me. And then you kind of have to let them decide whether or not they are going to adapt to that or not. Uh, and you can't control that. And part of being your authentic self is learning what you can control and what you can't control and realizing that really it's not fair to try to control other people. And so, you kind of have to let your true self manifest and then sort of let the chips fall where they may if you if you get my drift let me see I see Don's got something um, I'm hesitant to give myself fully to being awakened I feel like I enthusiastically gave myself fully to healing and Christianity and was feeling exhausted and disappointed I don't want to give myself. And be exhausted and disappointed again. So much information. I'm starting to feel that overwhelmed feeling again. Any suggestions? Man, Don, you really hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I can completely relate to that. <clears throat> and and I've observed people um, who... It's funny how... I mean, you're really speaking to a, a deeper issue here. So part of the reason I know for myself that I got... Because I, you know, you know me. You've known me long enough. I mean, I went full 100%, all in with Christianity. Listening to teaching, accepting things that were coming at me based on my admiration or exaltation of the person teaching. So here's what I mean by that: if I would go listen to my favorite teacher, or I would go listen to. Um, uh, you know, go to conferences or go to meetings maybe i 'm going to go to a healing training or whatever, and this person 's talking about all the results that they 've had and so I think, well, if I can copy what this person is or i 'm going to really listen to what this person says then um, then I can produce that and manifest that in my own life and so I would sit there i don 't know about you, don, but I would sit there like an open book, and I would suspend my critical thinking so The way, kind of a metaphor for this for me was that I allowed myself to be force fed from someone else's dish (laughs) and I didn't chew my food. Uh, I'm speaking about the information. I didn't chew it. I didn't just, I didn't taste it first. I didn't decide if I liked it. I just opened up wide and said, you know, let it come, let it come at me or let it come into me. And so I would eat those words, if you will, and there's a scripture in the Bible, I think it was Ezekiel, where he ate a scroll and it was sweet in his mouth, but bitter to his stomach. And so then you end up manifesting things that you don't, you know, you get tired, you get exhausted, you get worn out. Because there's so many things that you're trying to do, right? And then I've seen people that they just get disgusted with Christianity or with whatever, and they throw that information out. And then they run to other Spiritual traditions, maybe they run into the new age, maybe they run to atheism, whatever it is that they run to, and then they 're feeding that like going into this feeding frenzy again on information, but they 're still not digesting the food they're, and, and what I mean by digesting it is they 're not applying a critical thinking process. They're not feeling about the information. How does this information make me feel? Is this making something come alive in me? Is this fitting with who I am and where I'm at right now or not? And then they just take on another form and there aren't these deep levels of change that go on. So I think the fact that you're saying, uh, <clears throat> you're recognizing within yourself, I don't want to make the same mistake that I made before. <laughs> And so I think that's really, really good. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of learning to manage, I'm going to say two things in regards to this. One of the things that I'm kind of learning to manage is uh, my energy and what makes me feel alive. And so if I start going in a direction and I'm feeling exhausted and I'm feeling like it's too much effort and I'm feeling like, ugh, um, then that's letting me know, at least in that season or in that moment, that's probably not for me. That's probably not the direction that I need to go. And so I'm trying to pay attention to what feels, what feels rather than thinking all the time about stuff. I'm trying to feel into things. What does this feel like? What does the energy of this feel like? Does this feel life giving to me? Does this feel good to me? Does this feel authentic to me? Does this feel like this fits for me? And if that's the case, then I'm going to try to go more in that direction. Uh, one, one of the things that's funny, because of my uh, association with, with Aaron Abke, uh, and Aaron is really into The Law of One, uh, which is a channeled work. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you can go to his channel and find out all about it. Um, and so when I asked on my Facebook page, what things would you guys like me to teach? I almost put in there as an addendum, don't ask me to teach on the law of one. Because people, you know, automatically, they, they love what Aaron's doing. They love the information from the law of one and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, that does not resonate with me. That does That is not life-giving to me. The idea of trying to unpack the law of one is exhausting to me. Now... Does that mean that information is not valid? No. Does that mean that Aaron Abke is wrong? Absolutely not. It's just a signal to me that that is Aaron's path, that is Aaron's message, that is Aaron's gift to give to the world, and I'm not going to try to mimic that. I'm not going to try to copy that because that's what other people want from me. Because, see, that's the problem that we run into. We end up making our decisions based on what other people want for us and that's not authentic living so what i've endeavored to do was try to find spiritual paths that were uh speaking to me that were life-giving to me that were resonating with me without judging the others as being necessarily wrong or incorrect or whatever but just to be able to say that doesn't fit for me right now now maybe a year from now maybe two years from now that'll be different but it's still, it's, it's being true to that inner guidance system that's coming from deep within, that intuition that says, no, this isn't, this isn't my message. This isn't my path. So one other thing I want to say about this, Don, cause I think this is so important. I think there are a lot of people that, that deal with this. <clears throat> when I had my awakening experience, um, I had, uh, uh without going into all the details, I had a very intense, trance-like, sort of -of out-of-body experience. And in part of this experience, I'm standing in this garden and there's two trees, which symbolically at the time spoke to me of the two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And there was like this this angel and this light around what I assumed was the tree of life And then there was this shadowy area, sort of this other tree, which I assumed was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil covered in this darkness. And the first thing that I hear when I'm in that experience is when you disown your shadow self, when you disown your shadow, you will mistake the voice of your shadow for the voice of God. And that was a signal to me right there that a lot of what I thought was the leadership of the Holy Spirit and what I thought I was hearing when I was hearing from God was really disowned parts of myself that I didn't want to deal with. Not just that I didn't want to deal with them, but I didn't have the permission to deal with them because of the religious trappings. Uh, that's the flesh. You're supposed to kill that. You know, so much of what is our shadow... Or becomes our shadow is the flesh we're trying to kill the problem is the flesh never goes away and I tried it all I tried you know hours and hours of prayer fasting Bible reading walking in the spirit all that stuff and if I'd let up just a little bit here comes that shadow self again oh no that's the flesh let's kill the flesh and so you disown all these parts of yourself. Now, the love and light community does the same thing because they want to be all light. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same mask. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't resonate with a lot of stuff that's out there because it's just a form of denial. If I look at something and I'm suffering and I'm feeling uncomfortable with it um, and I just sit back and say, well, it's not real. Well, it may not be real out there, but the trigger, the emotional uh, charge that I'm feeling is very real inside myself. And so unless I can step back from that and say, okay, what is it in me that's getting triggered? What What is this stuff in here? Then I'm just creating another shadow self. And I'm just trying to get rid of the the flesh again. I'm just using different lingo and different terminology to try to deal with it. I'm just trying to be all love and light, which causes me to lose integrity and causes me to be inauthentic when I have emotions that are not love and light. And then I repress those feelings, exactly, Vanessa, I I repress those feelings, and then I'm back in the same boat, right? And that's not truth, that's not being truthful, that's not being authentic, and also it's legislating emotional experiences. It's saying these experiences and these vibrations are okay to have, but these experiences and these vibrations aren't okay to have. And then we put a a guise over it that says, we're not going to be judgmental. Uh, so we're not judgmental, but you are judgmental whenever you assign value to things. So if you say the high vibrations are good, the low vibrations are bad, love and light is good, anger, being pissed off, being afraid, uh, speaking your mind to people in a way that's passionate, that's bad, then I've assigned value. Or I say this is a high vibration, this is a low vibration, I've assigned value, which then can lead me to trying to just live up here and we're back to this thing called spiritual bypass. So I'm having this vision and it says when you disown your shadow, you will mistake that for the voice of spirit. You'll mistake that for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So that was a signal to me that I had done that. And then the next thing that I heard when I was in this experience was, can you learn to love yourself? And immediately, and I think this will resonate with people as their experience, uh, immediately I was taken into this, uh like, It's it's hard to describe. In front of me, I saw like, let's just say like a thousand TV screens, a thousand tiny TV screens with all these different talking heads, all talking at the same time. And it's all getting jumbled and garbled. And it's all this stuff. And I realized in that moment, this is all the sermons I ever heard, all the books I've ever read. All the conferences I've ever been to. And I began to think about it. You know, different books that I read. Seven Steps Answered Prayer. uh, Family Life Marriage Conferences. uh, John Maxwell Leadership Books and Conferences. (sighs) All this stuff, right? And it's all these principles. Everybody talking their truth. Everybody talking their principles. Everybody talking about what what worked for them. And trying to take all that information... And somehow assimilate it into myself and then create out of that the self that I believed that I had to be in order to be effective in prayer, in order to be effective as a husband and a father, in order to be effective as a pastor, in order to be effective as a leader. And I realized the absolute absurdity of that, the absolute impossibility of that, that I was spending so much time trying to live from the outside in rather than trying to live from the inside out, and then I heard these words, can you learn to love yourself, so so when you pack this together, it's like this experience is an invitation to embrace the parts of myself that I had disowned, to recognize that I had been trying to live this cut out version of myself based on what the world was telling me that I needed to be, and... At the same time, that reflected that where I was deficient, my deficiency was this very real, authentic, and deep love that I had for myself. And that's what started my process. So my goal has been in all of this, when I talk about authenticity, part of that authenticity is to own the shadow self. Not just for the purpose of transmutation, not to own my shadow self and just try to turn it into all light, but to recognize that as a human being, I'm going to experience fear. As a human being, I'm going to experience anger. As a human being, I'm going to experience disgust towards other people. And those experiences are okay to have. As a human being, I'm going to have urges and desires that maybe go contrary to uh, things that I was taught. And that's okay for me to have those feelings and for me to have those experiences and learn to love those things and learn to embrace those things. And if I can do that, then and only then can I really begin to hear the voice of God. I can't really even begin to hear the voice of God or spirit or the divine or source or whatever you want to call it until I've done really true shadow work. And that shadow work needs to be done from a place of non-judgment, from a place of love. So if I'm feeling depressed and I say, oh, this is a low vibration... I'm entering into the same form of judgment, even though I'm saying I'm non-judgmental. Um, but if I can feel really depressed and say, "This is part of the human experience. This is unpleasant for me. What can I do about that?" That's that's considerably different. So, what I guess I'm trying to say is the answer to this is, you know, for me. I don't want to get around a bunch of talking heads again and just try to learn all this information and somehow figure out reality and make sure I'm doing everything all right. That's coming from that same place of insecurity that caused me to do the same thing within Christianity. So so what I would encourage everyone out there to do is to just chill, to just learn to love yourself and to be led by what feeds you, be led by what's bringing you peace, be led by what's helping you and assisting you. And if you start to feel worn out and you start to feel exhausted, let that be a signal to you that uh, maybe that isn't the right path for you. So that was a long time to answer that. Let me back up and see what else I've got here. Um, I guess that's the problem with doing question and answer, right? Because I should have my computer in front of me or something. Um, okay, there's Don's question. Lots of comments. Suzanne says, and you have to get rid of it, I think that's just a comment, I don't think that's a question. <laughs> if you find the answer to energy management, please share it with me. Uh, right. Uh, one of the things, people talk about time management, one of the things I've been thinking about, people talk about time management, um, and I'm starting to think more in terms of energy management. How much energy do I have to give to something? And if it just feels exhausting to try to take it on, then that means for me that I'm out of balance somewhere. Um, so if anybody has another question, I didn't see any others on there. Somebody asked uh, about healing. Do, do I believe I have the power to heal or do I believe that I just hold space for others to heal? I don't think it's an either or. I think it can be and both. Uh, I think it can be and both. I think there is a time that you hold space for people and you let them do their own work. It uh, depends on what kind of healing you're talking about. If it's emotional healing, um, mental healing, and again, I'm a mental health counselor, so I do I do this kind of work every day. <clears throat> the majority of that, probably 90% of that, is going to be holding space for that person to discover their own path, <clears throat> and then 10% is going to be offering suggestions and uh, guidance to help them accelerate the process of their own healing. I'm a firm believer, especially when it comes to mental and emotional stuff, position, heal thyself. Now, however, there are people who can be so broken mentally and emotionally that they can't even begin that process. So you have degrees of severity in physical disease. You have degrees of severity in mental and emotional, spiritual maladies as well. And so I do believe that we have access to power that does bring healing to people's lives. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to share. Um, I'm trying to. I want to give an example, but I don't want to share that, um, just for for confidentiality reasons and privacy reasons for the person. Um, but, but there are times then that you can access something that gives people a lift, that gives them a a push out of the mud, if you will, or that ministers something to them that adds something to their healing process, but does not overrule that person's need, uh, to work things out for themselves. Now, when it comes to physical healing, uh, that's less about holding space. And that's more about accessing that healing light, that healing presence and power and learning how to become a conduit through which that can flow in order to bring people healing. So I hope that answers that question for you. So I'm just taking questions um, this morning and responding to things. Didn't have a lot of uh, inspiration or leading on what to talk about. so if anybody else, uh, if, if you asked a question up well, earlier in the thread, I, I missed it because I've, I've gone all through the thread. Some really, really good comments out there. Craven says, uh, living a false narrative based on a false perception of my identity. Been there so many times. Man, that is so good, uh, the way you say that. Vanessa says, this knocks the sin doctrine out of our awareness. Absolutely. Um, so any other questions out there or things that you'd like to see uh see us talk about the other thing i would say in regards to all this is to uh, it's okay i think i think one of the things that we we struggle with again this kind of goes back to the venus archetype the morning star archetype if your light is going to shine your light is going to be unique and we live in a society that values conformity uh, again when people are um you know I hear it a lot, you know, can you talk about the law of one? That's not my thing. I could allow myself to think, oh, my gosh, I've got to learn this so I can give this out, and I can start conforming, or I can be very comfortable just referring them back to Aaron and saying that's Aaron's message, and I'm very comfortable doing that. Uh, and so it's avoiding that need to conform and and allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to be unique and be different. Uh, Jeremy says, what are the keys To sorting through our beliefs post awakening. For instance, not everything learned in Christianity was bad. Um, What do we keep? That's that's great. Uh, And I would say that's also an individual choice. Um, So, what are the keys to sorting through our beliefs? That's an individual choice. Like, what do you keep? What's beneficial? Uh, part of the problem, again, with the, that I experienced in my Christian experience was all the talking heads telling me what to think, telling me what to believe, telling me what to let go of and what to what to hold on to. And so I think you have to you have to do a lot of internal work. And again, I'm going to keep pointing uh, throughout this conversation, you guys, to yourself, to your own heart, to your own emotional responses and reactions to things, to what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, because otherwise, you're falling into the trap of just being externally driven again. So I think the key to life, at least for me, is living more from the inside out. And so the key to sorting through your beliefs is, first of all, you have to identify what were your beliefs. What are your beliefs? What are your current beliefs? what it Maybe you don't know. And <clears throat> sorting those out. And then identifying your values. So one of the great things about the church that I experienced were the times that there was real community. And it's one of the things that I really miss. Uh, I remember when our kids came along um, and we were learning to be new parents. Uh, it was a little bit overwhelming. Josiah comes along 15 months later, so then having two kids was also overwhelming, even though we, you know, learned a little bit. We did master, we did at least mastered the art of changing diapers. Um, (laughs) I remember my dad was really, really sick. And in the hospital, I think for those who don't know, I want to say in a couple of years, you know, my dad was going to the hospital in an emergency situation with a very severe lung disease. Every six or seven weeks he'd be in the hospital for a week or two he'd come back start recovering get to where he was doing fine and then he'd crash again so for two or three years every six or seven weeks we were going taking him to the hospital and so we had so many people come around us that um you know would go visit my dad in the hospital that would pray for him when the when the kids were born people were bringing us meals we felt very supported we had people around us that were celebrating uh, the joy of new life while also walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Uh, comforting us when both my parents passed away. And so those are good elements. I think, you know, there was an element of, of uh, caring for one another, of bearing one another's burdens, those kinds of things that were really beneficial and really fruitful out of that situation. Um, I think there are a lot of things in Scripture themselves that speak to me, that have worked for me in the past, that I still want to hold on to and I still want to incorporate into my life. But again, this is a very individual process that we are going through. So um, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, thank you for hitting on the Luciferian archetype. Yeah, Vanessa, I want to do that some more. Um, I started trying to figure out what to keep in Christian doctrine. Then I finally tossed it tossed it all and started, I think. I can't get it to see more. Um, but I think you're saying something about starting over probably. And, yeah, for for a lot of us that's necessary too. Um, for a lot of us it's necessary to just sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater and clear the deck and say, okay, I'm starting fresh. Um, and then maybe, you know, two or three years down the road, when we have a different perspective after that. We'll look back and say, well, this, these parts of it were really good. You know, not all of it was bad, whatever. But again, that's an individual process. Um, and sorting through your beliefs again, sometimes we're too cerebral guys. Sometimes we just think too much. And I really want to encourage you to feel about things, not just think about things. How does this feel? What is the energy of this feel like. What uh, and again not judging it, not projecting. So um, you know, a lot of people with Vanessa and I when we, we do these live videos about religious trauma. It feels yucky to them. It feels like they can't relate to it or whatever. Uh, I totally get that. It's kinda I mean I trauma mean, is a yucky topic and subject. Uh, so if you feel that sort of energy coming from something that you're listening to, don't project that energy onto the people and say they're wrong for talking about this, or I wish they wouldn't. Uh, and Jeremy, I know you don't do that at all, but I'm just speaking generally because I, I get this a lot too. Well, that just doesn't feel right to me. Well, that's a better way to say it. That doesn't feel right to me as long as you're not saying those people are wrong for talking about it because the world does not revolve around you. and I don't exist to teach what you want me to teach or be who you want me to be. That's what I'm trying to break free from. That's what I'm trying to get away from. And so feel into something, and if you say, this doesn't feel good to me, this doesn't feel right to me, this isn't helping me, then recognize that that's you. That's your subjective experience with that, and it doesn't fit for you. Um, We don't expect everybody to have the same shoe size. Uh, you know, I wear size 11. My kids wear what, like a size 2 or 3. I don't try to shove my foot into their shoe, but I don't throw their shoe out and say, well, that shoe's wrong. Um, because what might be right and needful for some people and where they're at in their stage of the journey may not be right and needful for you and where you're at in the stage of the journey. So just recognize that and say that shoe size doesn't fit. I like how Derek Day says it. You know, your mileage may vary. And just be comfortable with that I mean we would be so much better served if we would use if we would own stuff um, by saying uh, this is how I feel about this this is what I think this is where I'm at rather than you shouldn't be doing that or you're wrong for that or this is how it is or we should do this, or you ought to do this, or you need to do this, or you have to do this. Uh, because then we act like it's some absolute that everybody has to follow. So again, we're trying to put everybody into our shoe size, right? But if we could just say, this is my shoe size, this is my mileage, this is where I'm at, this is the information, this is the journey that I'm on, this is the information that I have, this is what I believe is true. And go ahead and share that truth and stuff with passion, but just don't lose sight of the fact that it's coming from you. And don't lose uh, sight of the fact that you have ownership of that. You know, one of the other things. L- let me just let me just um, let me go after this. <laughs> I'm going to throw another stick of dynamite out there. One of the things that you know we were taught within Christianity is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that sounds really good on the surface. And this is where we get stuck, I think. We, we hear truths and we accept it. Oh, yes, this is how it is. But without application, without really working with it, we don't really go deeply enough into it to understand the nuances of it and we create these binary sort of universal laws. So one of the things that, again, comes out of the East uh, and I'm going to contrast East and West again. One of the things that comes out of the East is that we're all one. We're all basically aspects of the same entity. And because of the law of karma, whatever I do to you, I do to myself. And so then our ethic becomes, right, do unto others as you are doing to yourself. Um, <clears> huh. <throat> Not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as though you're doing it to yourself. So if I send hate out to one person uh, or I respond hatefully to somebody, then karma says, I'm doing that to myself. So that's coming back and it comes out of this sort of oneness that does not value individual identity. I think that's a terrific ethic. I think if it helps people treat people better, I'm all for it. But I think it breaks down under examination. So let's take the first part of it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How many of you have ever heard of the five love languages? Let's let's just look at a way that this doesn't work, that this breaks down doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, five love languages. Gary Chapman came up with five love languages. And uh, what he says is that we each have a way of relating to people or where other people relate to us that causes us to feel loved. So I'm trying to remember the five uh, time spent, quality time spent, physical affection, gift giving, positive affirmation, and works of service. Now, let's say that my love language is words of affirmation. And let's say my wife's love language is works of service. Now, if I apply do unto others as I would have them do unto me, if I apply that to expressing love to someone who has a different love language than I do, then because I want from that person words of affirmation in order to feel loved, then if I follow the golden rule, I'm going to be affirming them all the time. But let's suppose that that person that you're doing that with and has had lots of experiences, and I'm not talking about my my wife anymore because I don't want to, that's none of y'all's business. (laughs) But let's say I'm pouring words of affirmation on somebody and they had experiences in an abusive family where they were constantly hearing that they were loved, but they were being mistreated. Let's say they were being ignored. And so they grow up thinking, well, if you really love me, you'd spend quality time with me. Those words don't mean anything to me. Or they get into a relationship with a, let's say, abusive boyfriend or girlfriend who constantly says that they love them, uh, Jeremy, you'll appreciate this. I mean, the, the thing that comes to mind is the the song from X- Extreme. Uh, I think I got that right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. From the '80s, More Than Words. You know, that song kind of reflects this. Like, like so, this person comes out of these experiences. So words mean nothing to them. They want to see it. They want to see it in acts of service. They want to see it in quality time spent, something like that. If I hear, you know, ten words of affirmation a day. 20 words of affirmation a day and that person is constantly telling me they love me, I'm good. And I want to spend my time doing other stuff because my love tank in that sense is full. They need something from me that is different than what I need. And this is where the golden rule breaks down because if I do unto others as I would have them do unto me, it's really sort of narcissistic. It's sort of putting myself at the center of the world and saying everybody's needs are the same as mine. Everybody's idea of how to be treated is the same as mine. And as long as I'm... You see what I'm doing? I'm projecting my needs. I'm projecting my wants. I'm projecting my values onto the other person. And then I'm doing unto them as I would have them do unto me. I don't think that works very well. Uh, I think a better... Approach in some of these instances is to recognize the individuality of each person and each person's sovereignty over their own lives. This is a different ethic. Now, Western ethic, informed by Judeo-Christian values and beliefs, uh, Martin Buber, uh, Jewish thought leader of the last century, wrote a book called The I and the Thou. Great book on ethics because it talks about you as an individual, sentient, independent, and sovereign being who is in community with other individual, sovereign, sentient beings. And he postulates in the book that We often treat people as an I and an it. And so if I'm only not sending hatred out to somebody because that's going to come back to me, and if I do it to them, I'm doing it to myself, mm, is that really love? Is that really compassion? Or is that an expanded form of self-centeredness? Uh So what happens is, is then I become this individuated person who's very self-aware, self-contained. I know what my needs, wants, values, and stuff is, and I'm able to communicate those things. And as I grow and those things change, I'm able to communicate those changes to the people that I'm in relationship with. And then I'm able to intently listen and pay attention to the other person And find out what their needs are. Then I can relate to them based on what their needs are. Not relating to them as merely the mental projection of what my needs are. And putting that off on them. So again, this is why I argue for a strong ego. But when I use the term ego, by the way, let me just clear this up because this messes people up every time. When I use the term ego, I'm not talking about a false self. I'm not talking about the programmed self that you inherited from the society around you. I'm not talking about arrogance or pride. I'm talking about your sense of identity and your sense of self. You will never be able to live in this world without a sense of identity and a sense of self. And I think that our sense of identity and our sense of self, what I'm calling the ego, needs to be cultivated and strong. (laughs) Because without a cultivated and strong ego, you cannot relate well with other people. Uh, and you lose ownership of yourself. You lose ownership of your shadow. You lose ownership of your values. You lose ownership of your needs. And good luck with that. I tried that for 10 or 15 years. It didn't work. Um, so, you know, shame on me. It took me that long to figure that out. Uh, so if I have a strong ego, a strong self-identity, I know myself, I love myself, I'm very self-aware, I'm aware of my triggers, I'm aware of my strengths, I'm aware of my values, I'm aware of where I'm weak and I need other people to help me in my life, then I can look outward. And see other people for who they are rather than relating to them as mere reflections of myself based on some metaphysical principle that really we don't know, we can't prove, that may or may not be true. So why can't we develop an ethic that is the I and the thou rather than the I and the other me? Okay. I don't know why somebody must have needed to hear that because I don't know why I got off on that. Uh, Let's see. Any other questions Um, or things you want to explore or look at? Um, Comments on that? Let's see. (laughs) Appreciate all you guys uh, participating. Those of you that have thrown out questions or comments, I appreciate that. very much so. So I'll wait just a, a minute or more and see if there's anything else out there. If not, I'm not going to overload you with information today. Uh, but hopefully this gives you some things to think about. Again, I'm, I'm talking to kind of put a, to bring this all together, I, I think the keys that can make for abundant life, let's put it that way, is know yourself, love yourself, <laughs> manage yourself, and then out of a healthy sense of self and a healthy ego, make good contact with other people around you. In light of energy management, how do you feel about seeking help from energy workers? Great, great question, Johnny. Uh, I am a big fan of that. In the right context. Uh, And here's what I mean by the right context Um, I want to be picky (laughs) about who I'm sharing energy with. So uh, it depends on the energy worker, it depends on the reader. Again, if I get a bad vibe, and, I, and having said this, like the person doesn't have to be perfect. L- let me just get that straight right right away. It's it's not like you got to be so finicky that you can't. You know, I've gone to a number of energy workers that I didn't know and had wonderful experiences. I've had some really great experiences from Reiki. Um, I even have you know. Um, Somebody that did some distance Reiki, I was really cynical about Not cynical. not Cynical is not the right word. Skeptical. I was really skeptical about it. I thought, well, how is this going to work? Because they're not in proximity to share their energy with me because I was locked into these time and space type things. And the first time I did this energy session, this person just said, just, you know, at this time, lay down and start receiving. It wasn't even over the phone or over Zoom or anything like that. And I could feel, man, that, that energy. So I think it's extremely valuable to find someone who can, help, or find maybe multiple someones who can help us cleanse our energy field, that can work with us, that can impart energy and life, uh, divine light into us. I, I find that to be a great help and great assistance uh, to me in my life. So I'm a big fan of energy workers. Now, somebody, and I'm sorry, I I'm, don't, uh, Troy, how do you find uh, legitimate workers? I have found in my life that when I put my intentions out to the universe, to God, to whatever you want to call it, when I put a real, congruent intention, and here's what I mean. Uh, I really intend for this to happen in my life. I don't kind of intend for this to happen. I'm not wishing and hoping this will happen. I'm not maybe someday, but this is a solid intention that I'm putting out. Um, I'll put an intention out, and I'm just a firm believer that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that has absolutely been the case for me every time. Uh, when I needed someone to help me get to the next level and I put that intention out there, invariably through happy accidents, through fortunate accidents, through serendipity, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) I would find the right person, uh, and so, yeah, and then I would feel into that. So I, I use the example, um, the first time I went to a metaphysical fair, I was really still steeped in the whole Christian, that, all, that stuff's all demonic and you're going to get a demon, but maybe not. Uh, I just read that in a book somewhere. I just took somebody's word for that. I really experienced it. So we're going to go to a metaphysical fair. We're going to try this. And I dialed in to my own feelings as I was walking into that metaphysical fair, And I set my intention, I'm going to find and I'm going to be led to the right person that I'm going to work with. And so as I was walking around, I would just feel, I would, you know, I'd look at the various different booths and I would feel and I'm just waiting and I'm expectant and I'm open and walking around and I walk by somebody's booth and I feel an energy the divine, the presence, what I would call then the presence of the Holy Spirit, drawing me to this person. And I kind of walked away, and I walked back in, and when I got into her sphere, I could feel just the comfort and the peace and the warmth and the love and the inviting presence of the Holy Spirit. And she just so happened to not be with a client at that moment. And so I was able to approach her and say, you know, what do you do? And then five minutes later, I'm laying on her massage table or whatever, and she's doing energy work with me, and that energy work changed my life. Uh, when I was needing a therapist, uh, I just kind of scrolled through psychology today, looking for a therapist, and just came across one that felt right. And so contacted this person, made an appointment with this person. After about three or four or five sessions, I realized, yeah, this is exactly what I need right now in my life. So I'm just a firm believer again when the student is ready, the teacher appears, we put our intentions out there, things will begin to come our way. I think sometimes we work too hard at trying to get to the next level and that short circuits the whole process rather than resting and trusting. So anyway, great questions. and uh, I hope you appreciated this. Thank you for participating. I'm going to let you all go and enjoy your day. Uh, hopefully this was helpful for you. Um, and uh, give me some feedback. Let me know. And Derek Day is just jumping on. Derek, I'm just signing off. <laughs> if you guys haven't had a chance to catch uh, the videos that Derek and I have done uh, or that Vanessa and I have done, Vanessa and I have been doing some stuff on um, uh Tuesday nights consistently, uh, Derek has graciously invited me onto his platform, uh, his Freeology Friday. What a great name for a broadcast. I wish I would have come up with that. Uh, but we have a great time, great time with both those people. Uh, if you haven't checked those out, you can find those on my Facebook. You can go to Derek's. Uh, I think you can go to Vanessa's and find those. Um, but Derek and I, Derek, still, man, we, we had an awesome discussion on Friday. Uh, dovetails into a lot of the stuff that we talked about. So if you haven't checked that out, you might want to go check that out. Um, again, guys, thank you for everything. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate all of you so much. You have no idea. From the bottom of my heart, depths of my heart, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate your friendship. appreciate doing this journey with you. Uh, God bless you. Have a great day. Namaste.